The Gospel for today comes from Luke chapter 1. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The Lord has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beloved of God, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The young woman took a deep breath before she began to speak. She was young, much younger than anyone else around her, much younger than people expected someone of her situation to be. To say yes to the invitation that had brought her to this moment had been no small thing, life-changing, in fact, and she knew it. People were no doubt expecting someone more experienced, more worldly, perhaps more educated or more prepared. It was a distinct possibility that no one would pay that much attention to her. But when she broke the silence with her very first words, it was as if the world itself went silent. What flowed from her was poetry, song, a rhythm full of ancient hope and yet utterly brand new. She spoke about a world turned upside down, about the stubborn presence of hope when all seems lost, about what is born from the ashes, and how true power is not what's concentrated at the top, but what is found planted deep in the soil underground. It was impossible to tell whether she was talking about the future or the past, about things that had already happened or things that were yet to be. 
The vision in her words was so bright. There was no distinction between the two. The young woman's name was Amanda. Amanda Gorman. At 19 years old in 2017, she was speaking a poem she had written called In This Place, an American Lyric, in honor of the installation of the country's new poet laureate. Three or so years later, she would step onto a much larger stage to share another original work, The Hill We Climb, at the presidential inauguration on January 20th, 2021. Then, too, she would cast a vision of reversal and revolution, a bright hope that what is now is not necessarily what has to be. You might easily have thought I was referring to Mary, another young woman suddenly on the world stage, much younger than people would have expected her to be. To say yes to the invitation that had brought her to that moment had been no small thing. Life-changing, in fact, and she knew it. People were no doubt expecting someone more experienced, more worldly, maybe more educated or prepared. It was a distinct possibility that no one would believe the story she was about to tell. But when Mary broke the silence with her very first words, it was as if the world itself went silent and we have been listening ever since. What flowed from her was poetry, song, a rhythm full of ancient hope and yet utterly brand new. She spoke about a world turned upside down, about the stubborn presence of hope when all seems lost, about what is born from the ashes, and how true power is not what's concentrated at the top, but what God plants deep in the soil underground. You couldn't tell whether she was talking about the future or the past, about things that had already happened or things that were yet to be. The vision in her words so bright that there was just no distinction between the two. Barbara Brown Taylor writes, prophets almost never get their verb tenses straight because part of their gift is being able to see the world as God sees it, not divided into things that are already over and things that have not happened yet, but as an eternally unfolding mystery that surprises everyone, maybe even God. During Advent, our liturgy has frequently referred to the idea of being homesick. We've asked, can you be homesick for something you've never known? And we've said, yes, we are homesick for a just world, for peace like rivers, for empty hospitals and nations that feel like neighbors. We are homesick for a world where schools do not shut down because of social media threats and where tornadoes do not obliterate entire towns 
where we are not still wearing masks and worrying about the newest variant. We are homesick not for the past, but for the future. Not for any one place, but for the world as it could be. We, like Amanda and Mary, are caught between the vision and the reality, between the poetry and the prose, between the prophetic and the everyday. And we are yearning to hear our silence broken by a new song. What's the first word that comes to your mind when you think of Mary, the mother of Jesus? Youth? Innocence? The blue robe she always wears in nativity scenes and Christmas pageants? Maybe your image of her is something that you've seen in a painting or a stained glass window or a childhood Sunday school portrait. Young, sweet, sometimes slightly bewildered, hopeful, pure. What or who comes to mind when you think about biblical prophets? Is it John the Baptist crying out in the wilderness for the people to repent? Is it Isaiah warning the people that their unjust ways were unsustainable for life? Is it Micah who called the people to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with God? All those brave individuals who were willing to risk personal safety, even their lives, to proclaim a message from God, to confront the powerful, and to call people to a different vision for life. What if we thought of Mary as a prophet? Like the other biblical prophets, she's invited by God into a surprising and risky future. Like the other biblical prophets, she is initially skeptical of this idea and wonders if the whole thing is quite as possible as God seems to think. And, like the other biblical prophets, she eventually steps into this unpredictable call and she's then never the same again. Well, you might wonder, why does it matter? Right? Why does it matter if we think of Mary as a prophet instead of just an innocent young girl? I mean, why does it matter if we put her in line with John the Baptist and Isaiah and Micah and Ezekiel and Amos and Hosea and all the others? Remember that earlier quote from Barbara Brown Taylor? How prophets almost never get their verb tenses straight because part of their gift is being able to see the world as God sees it. Prophets are homesick for a world they have not yet seen, but know to be possible because they have been utterly caught up in a vision from God. Prophets like Mary are able to speak of the future as if it had already happened. In the past tense, she sings, he has shown strength with his arm. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty away. God's faithfulness is not in the past only. It is out ahead of us, calling us forward, planting hope in us that the world we are homesick for 
is exactly the one God is still building and creating even now. The prophets are here to tell us that. In my office is this poster of Amanda Gorman right here. Whatever Mary looked like, she looked a lot more like Amanda than me, but that's not the only reason I have this poster. It contains a line in it. You can see the, my light there. It contains a line in it that says, the tyrant fears the poet. Tyrant fears the poet. At first glance, it's kind of a ridiculous line. Put a tyrant and a poet in a boxing ring and you can guess how it will turn out. But do you remember how King Herod reacts when he hears about the birth of Mary's baby? He's afraid. Do you remember how the religious authorities react when Jesus turns over the tables in the temple, when he heals the sick and feeds the hungry and raises the dead? They're afraid. Do you recognize how our powerful systems in this world still react when prophets and poets stand up in the streets and they call for repentance and justice? Fear is a powerful, terrible thing. What the tyrants know is the power of a vision the power of a song, the power of a prophet, even one as young as Amanda, as unprepared as Mary, as unsure as Amos, as worried as Moses, as uncertain and anxious as you. The tyrants fear the poet because 2,000 years later, we are still singing Mary's song. We are still homesick for the world her words create. Because 2,000 years later, we are still walking in the footsteps of an itinerant rabbi who turned the other cheek and lifted up the lowly and filled the hungry with good things. Perhaps that rabbi's mother was unique, and there will never be anyone like her again. Or perhaps... She was one in a long line of prophets who are now turning to you and inviting you to sing their song, to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with God. Maybe you are now the one who is bearing God into this very world. You are a poet and a prophet yourself. And if you think no one is expecting this from you, then guess what? That's exactly where God always begins. May we be like the prophet Mary. And may we always magnify the Lord, our God, until the world we are homesick for is the world, our home. <laughs>